it's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. We're going to hear from Ren Leach who I feel like is kind of a kindred spirit for me. Ren is a guy who's done many things in his in his career and his life, but in the last 10 or 12 years has gotten involved in the voiceover world, and he's done lots of commercial radio spots and TV commercials and all kinds of things. There's a pretty good chance you've heard Ren's voice before, and, and maybe you didn't know it until you hear him here, but you can you can match it up, I think, maybe. But in the last six months or so, Ren has gotten involved in audio description, which is just a fascinating and exploding field in television and movies and film where there is a spoken audio track that goes with television shows and films for people that have low or no vision to understand what's going on on screen if you you can't see the screen or don't understand what's happening. So Ren has gotten really involved in that. Ren is in the vision impaired community himself and understands the importance of that. And so I wanted to visit with Ren about audio description and the importance of the emergence of how it's really, it's, it's, I guess it's just, it's, it's kind of at the beginning stages of audio description and he's a football coach and I feel like he's related to a football coach that's been very near and dear to me. Uh, without further ado, the great Ren Leach. Thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. And uh, thanks for hosting this podcast and and really giving so many people's stories an opportunity to be shared. Hey, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. And it's a lot of fun for me to be talking with you. And I was trying to remember how I ran into you initially. And I think it was on Twitter. I think you posted something about the 80s or 90s. And it was about music. Okay, um, that sounds about right. I think you maybe retweeted something or something, and I saw that, and I was like, man, that is spot on. I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but from that point forward, I was like, okay, Ren Leach. <laughs> I like this guy. That was a good point that he made or that somebody made that he liked, mm-hmm. and then I started kind of following the, the rabbit hole down, and turns out you're into audio description, which I am. is a big thing for me and people in the visually mm-hmm. impaired community. So I want to talk to you about audio description. And then I started I started going further down the rabbit hole. And of course, your name is Ren Leach. And you live in Washington. <laughs> you went to Washington State. Mm-hmm. And as I started going a little further, you're a football coach, or at least have been a football coach. So yeah. clearly, for those that don't remember in the audience, I went to Texas Tech University. And the the most the coach that took our little team the furthest. Mm-hmm. Was the great Mike Leach, which I'm guessing is your cousin in the in the I coaching wish. tree, right? Is that I how really that works? Wish. Financially, I wish it was true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's just so weird. It's just yeah. all the kind of the the strange things there. So you go to college to to mm-hmm. do whatever you're going to do, but you went right. into teaching and education, I think, initially, right? I did. Yeah, it was actually um, because I'd uh, gotten into coaching high school football and that led me to want to go back to college and become a teacher. Okay. And so you're teaching and you're teaching. I've, I've seen high school. I've seen elementary I've yeah. seen like history, civics, those types of things. But mm-hmm. probably the coolest part of that, at least to me would be the football stuff. So tell me about coaching football. Where, where, where were you and how does that work? So I started off, let's see, I was about 20 and my old high school coach, uh, I was, I forget what happened, but he invited me to come out in the spring and help coach, uh, which led to uh, helping coach at some football camps in the summer and then coaching from there on out. And it was something that I didn't plan on doing necessarily. It was just a kick in the pants at that age. You know, you're 20, 21, 22 coaching high school football. I mean, things are pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, like, did you, why football? Was, did you play football as a kid? I did. I, I played football in high school. And uh, uh, when I first went off to college, I enjoyed my my freshman year of college so much. It would be the first 
of two freshman years I would have in college. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, after that, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah. sometimes it's so good. You just feel like you need to do it again. It was so good, right? There is a maturation process that I was late to the game on. <laughs> uh, but after that, you know, went back and I uh, just happened to bump into my old high school coach and, um, you know, it just came from just a conversation into why not try it? And then I really enjoyed it and uh, ended up coaching what high school football for over 20 years. Yeah, that's um, that's a pretty good amount of time. Yeah. A lot of kids, a lot of, was that at, how many schools was that at? Um, so let's see, it started in Washington around 90, what, 90, so 91. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six schools that I've coached at. Wow. Yeah. And all high school? All high school. Programs that have been ones that have struggled and ones that have had incredible success. And uh, after I left high school football, uh, after I was done with that for various reasons, the last three years of coaching football, I got to coach my son's uh, youth middle school football team. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those where I didn't, I, I have very strong feelings about fundamentals and safety and stuff like that. So I, I didn't trust somebody else to teach my kid to play tackle football. So I wanted to be there for that. And, uh, and that was cool, but that was the end of it. Okay. So you're coaching. Um, you're also teaching, I think probably at high school mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So the, I taught for 20 years. The first 10 years was high school teaching mostly juniors and seniors. And, uh, and then the last 10 years was elementary PE, which is dealing with a completely different student body type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So there's, yeah. There's stories on both sides to kind of <laughs> illustrate the, the difference between the two, but let's just say that, uh, they, they're unique in challenges. Yeah. I bet. And do you like any of these high school kids that that went on to do whatever they do. Do you, do you keep in touch with them? Do they, do you ever, do you ever bump into them? Like you bumped into your old coach? Um, not as much other than social media, although I'm really not active on Facebook as much because it's so visual on Facebook that I prefer Twitter obviously, but, uh, I still keep in touch, uh, from time to time with them on Twitter or on Facebook. There are some kids who've gone on to become coaches themselves or, you know, there are a couple of few ones that have gone on to have some pretty good success moving on to college or even pros. And, and it's kind of nice, but it's really nice to be able to, to see all of that stuff happen from people that you met at one point and way back when, and then had some pretty cool shared experiences. Yeah, I bet. And then somewhere around 2010, maybe about 12 or so, 11, 12 years ago, something changed. You saw the light, you, something happened, the, uh-huh. the moons and stars aligned and you decided, Hey, I've got a, I've got a voice. Why don't I use it for more than yelling at kids about uh, <laughs> tackling somebody or, or running up and down the field or something? Well, yeah. I mean, in essence, teaching and coaching is performance art anyways. Sure is. Yeah. You know, I've been uh, involved with the stuff that my kid did. My kids would, were doing younger, especially when I was uh, reading stories and doing character voices and things like that. And uh, it was always something that we we enjoyed, and it ended up being something that an opportunity to come up and take a night class. And they were very adamant. You know, you should you should try this. You know, and it led from uh, one course to another course to working with a coach to a different coach to suddenly feeling, you know what, I think, I think this is something I can do. And this is something that's kind of fun and definitely something uh, I enjoy being creative with that I didn't know that I had in me before. So I'm reading your, your bio line here on LinkedIn. It says providing broadcast quality voiceover recordings from the comfort, or maybe it doesn't say comfort of my, of my home, right? My home studio. And so that's yeah. pretty much what you're doing now, right? Yep, I am. I am working at my at-home studio. My wife is also working from home currently. So, uh, if you hear any any other noise in the background, whether it be dog or other noise, it is because I am yes at at home. And uh, those things hopefully can uh, the broadcast quality probably doesn't have that in the background normally. So, do you have a certain designated area in your home now for recording stuff? 
Yeah. Uh, when I first started out with the recording stuff, uh, especially when you go into, um, there are two general type of mics. There are the mics that we plug in with the USB into the PC and then are uh, my, more standard mics that we think of that has a cable with three yeah, XLR at the end, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and what I found out early on is when I made the jump into actually using a professional mic as I was doing my uh, training, it picks up everything. So early on, before I had the soundproofing done, before I made my first booth, it was all about as much sound isolation and all hands on deck. Nobody breathe in this house. <laughs> I can, I can relate it. to that. I, I We talked a little bit beforehand of what's going on in my house. It, it's usually yeah. a circus here, so it does require a lot of um, somewhat kind of like, it's almost like you got, you got COVID, you got a quarantine, you know, kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, there's kind of like a system that you kind of set where, you know, now with the kids gone, it's my wife and I at home and it's just a little light you turn on if I'm doing a recording or whatever. And it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, but when you have kids around the house, boy, boy, howdy. They don't you're quite always understand on your toes. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're making the move into voiceover work. It sounds mm -hmm. like your family pushed you into that, which uh, I guess would be a good thing, I think, right? It sounds did like turn it. out to be a good thing. Yeah, I I didn't know uh, the creative uh, process was something that I would really enjoy, and this job is very creative. So give me some examples of creativity. You've done a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of things from, from <sighs> I, like Taco Bell commercials to like radio spots for different things or even yeah. even like announcers for for radio shows and things how do, yeah. how do you kind of get started with that what what was the would you remember your first deal your first gig i do what was that i do and it was through of all places craigslist uh i got paid ten dollars from a chicago attorney to record a testimonial Hmm, okay. And uh, it was like a three sentence testimonial. They just wanted a voice with it. No big deal. And it was my first trip onto a casting site that I started out at and they didn't regulate pay very well. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know any better. I saw a job. I put in for job. I got job. So that was a good start. $10. Uh, you know, you got to you got to buy that first start latte somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that would pretty much take up all your latte money too. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so like what, what was, do you remember what it was? What was the spot was? Um, I really don't, I can't remember that. That's okay. Um, you blocked it out. So you've, you've moved obviously to bigger and better things because you are the, as yeah. I mentioned earlier, the great Rin Leach. Well, and don't, the don't voice, tell my wife that. the voice of <laughs> voiceover. <laughs> world so are there some things that you've done with that that you're like man this is this is really cool or this is where yeah. i can really do something this is this is fun you know just being able to uh technically do it was something that was a process that i was able to do visually at the time and uh was it's a very simple process really of taking a script talking into a microphone that you're recording on your computer and then you edit the file that's on your computer. There's not a, a, a ton of uh, steps in there. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take long, but there's it's a pretty simple process. And what I found out was with the different types of jobs give you all sorts of different things. There's straight up voiceover. All they need is a voice type job, such as a phone tree or something like that. Uh -huh, you know, they're looking yeah. for a professional voice uh, to, uh, it could be corporate training videos. Uh, whether it's I uh, did some Taco Bell stuff or you do some corporate stuff, you know, there's that type. There's software tutorials that I did with uh, Cisco software systems where they would have uh, software updates and things like that, and they'd need to put a video to it. So there's just a bazillion opportunities for people to be heard. Um, and it could be on the phone, on the radio, on your computer, in the store, at the gas pump, and they're all unique in their own ways. And some of them I had a lot of fun with, whether it was uh, one, I was a, a mascot for a New Zealand golf store that they need. They had a golf ball mascot and for whatever reason they wanted an American voice. And so I had to come up with a character voice for this golf ball. 
uh, for their commercials. And uh, I can say, thankfully, I have checked, and those commercials are not on the internet. Because <laughs> uh, I have a feeling those would come back to have some fun with me later. But also, <laughs> there was uh, one where somebody was trying to turn a political cartoon strip into like an animated uh, short. And so they took me and hired me to do the voices of all the characters in the comic strip, which was interesting because it was a political comic strip. So I had to do a bunch of uh, impersonations and Barack Obama and Boehner and Kim Jong-il and all sorts of people. It was mm. quite a process, yeah. but uh, you know, it's one of those where you just kind of step into the booth and let it rip. Yeah. I'm the only one who's going to hear me. So, you know, screw it. Let's, yeah. Let's just go with it. So you've been on a gas pump. I mean, I, I've, I, there's a possibility I've heard you at a gas pump. No, I haven't done a gas pump, but those are those are jobs that you see out there occasionally. Somebody will hire for the for mm-hmm. the media platforms that are at certain gas pumps. But uh, the voiceover opportunities are everywhere, and it's there's a huge industry of at home people doing it. So there is a lot of competition, but you know, it just takes some perseverance and some some hope slash belief and. Uh, eventually you get those clients that turn into return clients and it just kind of flourishes from there. And definitely you've got the voice. Now you may, you may argue with me on that a little bit, but there's something about like, I can just hear you saying in a faraway land once upon a time, like I, like as I'm going to a movie trailer, uh, have you done anything in now? We're going to talk about audio description here in a little bit too, but like who does the voices for, in a faraway land. Oh yeah. Once upon a time, um, like there's, there's, I, there's like one guy that does all those, I'm sure. So, so back in the old days, especially like in all those 90 blockbuster movies, we love so much, uh, very dramatic. It was, his name was Don LaFontaine okay. and he was the in a world guy. And yeah, that's it in a world where, so he'd start oh, off yeah, like, yeah. in a world where a man, you know, and starts blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, uh, what, what happens because, you know, I do have some uh, colleagues that are in the industry who obviously are going to be uh, more established and successful than I am right now who do the bigger uh, jobs. And even then it's a select group that get to uh, audition for movie trailers. Sure. Yeah. It's a pretty exclusive, but bet, very, yeah. very financially um, attractive. Yeah, thing. sure. Yeah. But uh, a lot of those things I think probably have to deal with uh, agents as well, if not, possibly union membership that I don't know. Uh, I haven't had that opportunity. So that's a bridge I haven't crossed yet. Yeah. But you recognize the voice, right? Like that's, that's the the gold standard in movie trailers, right? Don LaFontaine. Is that what you said his name is? Yep. (laughs) Yep. He's the one. And it it was uh, early when they were doing the Simpsons and stuff on Fox. And that's when it really became big because I think uh, the Simpsons were the first one to kind of make a thing of kind of mocking it or incorporated it into one of their episodes. And that's when everybody kind of was like, Hey, yeah, I hear this guy everywhere. And then, uh, it just kind of blew up and, you know, um, unfortunately he passed away, but he is the standard uh, of that industry, um, to this day, even though he passed quite some time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But you have been in movies. You're on the audio description side, which is, the main reason yeah. why we're talking here. So uh, mm-hmm. that's the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Um, I am I am low vision, totally blind in one eye, 2300 vision in the other eye. Mm-hmm. So things like audio description for, I think the audience mostly knows what that means, but I know there are some people that are listening that don't really know what audio description is. Mm-hmm. So tell me from your perspective, Ren, what is audio description in TV and film? So in a, in a visual entertainment, uh, whether it's uh, uh, on the film screen or on TV or whatever, uh, when a story is told, there's a lot of components that go into giving you the story. And it could be the music that they use, the, the, how, how they're talking and things like that. But a lot of what we input seems to be visually driven. And what audio description does is it fills in the gaps uh, between when characters are speaking or there's important uh, effects or music or something that has to happen. In those gap, audio description provides the description of the actions and the context of things that are happening on screen. It could be 
whether it's actions of characters on the screen, it could be a description of uh, how they're portraying their emotions. It could be what they uh, what they are choosing to dress in or things. There's so many different uh, contextual pieces that visual people just take for granted that for those of us that are visually impaired, when there's a movie, the auditory clues are everything that we need. And so what audio description does is it paints a more complete picture of, of what's going on to hopefully uh, better connect the viewer to the story and actually entertain and allow them to share in the experience. Yeah. And in fairness, TV and film, obviously those are visual mediums, right? Yes. So it's not like they're, they're doing that on purpose. It's a visual medium. Yeah. And so people with the visual impairment don't pick up on certain elements of whatever it is. And the audio description kind of fills in the blanks for Mm -hmm. somebody that, you know, I guess like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, watch an episode of your favorite show or something and close your eyes and try to try to interpret what's happening on the screen. Now you can hear what's happening between the characters and things that are happening, the noises on the, the screen or that are coming from the screen. But if you can't see what's happening, there are, there are lots of things that happen. Like what are they wearing or what are they doing? Yeah. Where are they? Um, mm-hmm. What's happening when somebody's not talking? Are there some non-visual cues or things that are happening that audio description basically is, was created or, or, flourishes to help people fill in those blanks or the gaps so they they can understand mm-hmm. as much as the people that are watching is that that about right absolutely and and part of audio description also helps facilitate the story for the viewer uh in that for example uh, if there's a movie where there's uh, death on the nile uh there's something to be solved there are clues that are presented during the movie and they're not always uh, verbal clues, and they're not even necessarily all addressed um, by the characters in the film itself. Some of those clues are going to be uh, signposted clues is that you are going to need to complete the picture of this story. And that's another thing that audio description can do, can make sure that as you're being uh, described the context of the picture of everything that's going on, that you could also include those important clues that may be visually only parts of the story so that if you, you know, were to miss those, you wouldn't understand what was going on at the end of a film. And was there a reason in particular that you were drawn as a voiceover artist or voice talent? Was there a reason you were drawn specifically to audio description? Well, I, I can say that I've been a consumer of audio description for quite some time. And it's always been something that I've enjoyed. Uh, I never thought that it was an avenue to switch into, honestly. When I left my teaching career and decided to fire up the smokestacks full-time and and jump back into this as a visually impaired person, I honestly thought the process was so far and beyond what I was able to do that I didn't even think it was an opportunity for me. So I just started doing voiceover work as I, as I had known it before with casting sites and doing regular voiceover jobs. And it wasn't until March that Eric Wickstrom, who uh, is uh, the director of audio description at uh, International Digital Center, IDC, and they produce a lot of audio description. He reached out to me on social media and said, hey, I've got a project that has uh, the lead actress is blind because the character is blind. And I've got this, and it's important that we put a blind voice to this. Would you be interested in doing some audio description? And I said, yeah, I don't know. I haven't done any training for it. I haven't, you know, I don't know anything about it. And he's like, I've listened to your stuff. I've been to your site, you know, let's take a shot. So he gave me a a 20 minute audition script for the first film, which was titled C for me. And uh, so I turned that around and gave it back for evaluation. And then he's like, uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's finish this. Let's do it. And, uh, and it just took off from there. Uh, We actually have a clip from C for me. I think you know what this clip is. Maybe you can kind of paint for the listener what's happening maybe before or after this, but Okay. Essentially, I think this is a great example of where audio description can 
really fill in the blanks for somebody that's not not watching mm-hmm. or not able to see the screen because there's th- this is a time in the in the show in the film where there's there's no dialogue at all right um, there's there's some noises from the characters but really no dialogue for so mm-hmm. again i just tell people to close your eyes and, and try <laughs> to watch a show and try to understand what's happening and yeah. so this particular show c for me was it, it's on netflix is that right soon to be on american netflix it, it's um, on canadian netflix though now uh yeah netflix international and uh yeah so um word is that it will be on netflix uh, I just don't know the timeline. Okay. But when it is on Netflix uh, mm-hmm. in America, they'll hear your voice describing this thing. So yeah. let's let's hear the the clip and then unless there's anything you want to set up beforehand. Uh, just to give a context of the scene, um, it's a suspense thriller type of a movie and it's in a part of the movie where somebody is trying, the lead person who is uh, visually impaired is trying to stay away from the bad person, um, but is trying to also be quiet and move around in the dark as to not be discovered. Okay, here we go. Rico turns and moves toward the sound. He sweeps his phone light across the foyer. He eyes the broken glass under his shoes. Sophie rises and grabs something from the counter. Rico fires into the kitchen, tagging Sophie in her right thigh. She makes her way down the staircase towards the greenhouse. Rico returns to the kitchen. Sophie checks her leg. Blood gushes from her bullet wound. She wears one of the walkie-talkies on her waist and turns it on. She turns toward the greenhouse. Rico searches the kitchen with his gun raised. Sophie touches her walkie-talkie. E's walkie-talkie lies on the floor in the greenhouse. Sophie heads inside, just as Rico reaches the top of the staircase behind her. Sophie makes her way through the dark greenhouse. She stops and uses her walkie-talkie again. She follows the sound toward E's walkie-talkie. She feels her way past plants. Okay, so there it is. You got Sophie and Rico. Yeah, Sophie and Rico. Yeah, it's it's interesting because usually in an audio description script, before the characters are verbally acknowledged in the film, the audio description tends to not use the person's name. So there's a lot of the older man or you know what have you during it. But okay. Yeah, but straight straightforward on that one uh, with the two characters and that that was. Pretty uh, exciting to do. Uh, that was my first jump into the audio description world, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of it. And and it's not just the fact of creating it, but working with people who are trying to do it right by the blind community, and uh, that involves the people who write the awesome scripts there, uh, the people who do all the mixing to make sure that everything is high quality and that it doesn't you know, duck in and out of the movie and stuff. And uh, I just, I'm really proud, really proud about it and uh, very excited. Yeah, it's tremendous. You mentioned the script. So you you have to write a separate script for this because Mm. the the movie script is written, you know, for the movie and and the visual element, the visual medium of the movie. Mm -hmm. The audio description script is written for strictly uh, like if this was on radio basically right not on mm-hmm. the screen so you have to have yeah. people that that can understand that and then you have to people that can portray what's happening in kind of an even keel like what what happens mm-hmm. when what what kind of an instruction are you given in audio description like is it you need to be a certain way do you need to be like average or a lot of it's going to depend on who you talk to. And that's what I'm finding in the audio description field. There are people who've been established or less established or whatever in the field of audio description. And so they'll give you different answers uh, on what type of direction is needed. But generally speaking, um, you don't want the describer to be in front of the story. You don't want to be 
um, the one who's expressing emotions of what's going on per se. Uh, you don't want to um, do things in a way that takes people away uh, from their experience, such as saying things in a, there's one that I listened to where the person was sing-songy as they were talking about the action in a Star Wars feature. And I had to turn it off and thankfully I'd seen the movie before, but when you see somebody whose performance uh, takes away from the, from the film itself, it really um, not only takes away from the enjoyment of that film, but it's a bad experience moving forward for somebody who, uh, wants to use audio description. So you don't want the audio description to overpower the movie. At, yeah. at best, you want it to be even or or lower, less than. Yeah, the way I think of it is walking at best uh, a step behind um, what's going on, just trying to put yourself um, behind uh, what is going on, you know, so that... Um, what I'm doing when I'm reading it is I'm in essence explaining rather than reacting. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Okay. And so, uh, as, as a vision pair person myself, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been in the movie and there have been, I'm trying to think there was like, um, can't think what it was. It's been so long ago. There was a movie where I went in and like the majority of the movie was subtitles. Oh. And that's just not good for no. somebody that, that can't can't either read the screen or see the screen or both, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I've walked out of a movie not, you know, like upset, significantly upset. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not digging this. I can't, I can't understand what's happening like anybody else can because i can't i can't read the subtitles so i, I i'm not getting the vibe right. of the movie so like i'm out of here kind of thing and so from that movie forward i was very aware of movies that may have subtitles so this was mm-hmm. probably like i don't know 20 years ago it's, it's been a long time which is why i can't remember what movie it was but <laughs> ever since then i've been super aware of movies that may be in a different language than english which mm-hmm. i'm american doggone it that's all i speak is english that's my problem i should learn other languages but i haven't yet yeah but i i've if, if there's a, a hint of some sort of subtitles or other language then i mostly check out which means i i limit myself on what i'm going to watch i have been mm-hmm. in theaters where i'm with somebody who's going to tell me what the subtitles are because there may be like 10% of the movie is in subtitles. And so for yeah. for me, it always feels like that person that I'm sitting next to is, is you know, um, I feel like it's taking away from their watching their, their experience of the movie yep. and mm-hmm. they're, they're turning to me and they're, they're in air quotes whispering um, what's mm-hmm. being said. And it's always a little behind or they're interpreting it as it's happening. So I'm getting that secondhand and then for me, it, f- it feels like they're yelling it. Yeah. That they aren't, but it feels like they are. So like everybody yeah. around us is now aware that why is this guy talking? He's, it's, you know, and so it just yep. makes me uncomfortable. And so subtitles have long been an issue for me. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of avoid them. Well, it, and it, I know that as I went through my different stages of vision loss, you know, you get to a point where certain things, um, you get tired of things not working and finally you're just like, you know what? I'm done. I, I want to eliminate and eliminate that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the other clip comes in where I want to play. There's a uh, documentary. I think it's on HBO that you mm-hmm. did the audio description for. It's the Andre, the giant story, which mm-hmm. <laughs> is great because <laughs> I haven't seen this, but uh, you know, as a kid, Andre the Giant was a uh, was definitely in my wheelhouse of watching wrestling and all those yeah. kind of things, and so yeah. I have a I have a, a an affinity for Andre and and the plight that is Andre the Giant. So I'm gonna play another little clip here from your audio description from the movie. Um, I'm not sure the title, but it's the Andre Giant story. It's on um, at least at this point, as of this recording on on HBO, and it's probably lots of other places by now, but. Um, at least now it's it's on HBO. So here's um, here's your audio description from Andre the Giant's story. 
a title appears, Andre the Giant. Even-sized trees line either side of a long country road, 40 miles east of Paris. A car approaches. A street sign reads V3 Moyer. Antoine Rousimov, Andre's brother. Antoine, Moyer was a small village. Everybody knew everybody. There was the baker, the butcher, the grocer. My parents bought a house and spent their life in Moyer. My brother Andre, when he was born, I was seven years old. He was a beautiful baby. He was normal. Andre started getting bigger around the age of 15. I asked my mother what was happening. Jacques Rusimov, Andre's brother, Jacques, around age 16 or 17, that's when he really started to grow. A flower stem stretches upwards. My mother started to be concerned because she thought it would never stop. Okay, and there's the French uh, words that I can't understand, but the subtitles there, and that's, again, where I think it just comes in so handy, where um, I've got Ren Leach describing this to me in my ears because I'm probably wearing a headset or some sort of earbuds or something that I'm get, just getting this directly um, mm-hmm. either from my TV or in a theater which where audio description is really becoming more prevalent um, so it only affects me the 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 listener mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't disturb anybody else I can go to a movie by myself and not have to rely on somebody else to kind of tell me what's going on so that's yeah. where I think that really is different from the first clip in the sense that you're still describing the scene. You mentioned the, the tree-lined street, and you're kind mm-hmm. of painting the picture of what, what's on the screen. But in this one, you're talking about the the subtitles um, from the French that is subtitled in English that that this Texan from Ohio would have no <laughs> idea what's going on. So, Right. My my one year of intro to French in college. Yeah, it did, did, didn't help me with Andre's brother at all. <laughs> right. So I just I just feel like that's super important and audio description mm-hmm. I kind of feel like is it's not at the beginning stages but it's in its kind of infancy and it's still evolving there are mm-hmm. it's kind of the wild west there's maybe no rules or standards necessarily maybe there are standards and I, I'm not aware yeah, of them it's no it's wild west you're absolutely right and but I I think that's fine because at least we're in the wild west you know at least we're gonna we're gonna through trial and error and through repetition and people like you that are that are doing these things where we can come to some sort of standard where it's yes. it's included and it's not an afterthought anymore it's something that's put in originally mm-hmm. and the the script originally is written so that the descriptive script is written with it not after it right. and all those kind of things so do you kind of you kind of feel like you're a pioneer at this point anyway oh gosh i i don't know um, about possibly, well, no, I guess so. <laughs> well, I, I think you are. Yeah. You might, you might be a little reluctant to say that, but it, I, I do think it's kind of early and it's wild west and yeah. we're, we're trying to figure things out, but, um, this is the stuff that has to happen to, to get to, to standards and, and things that, that make it for everybody. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, um, so I've, signed with a number of of audio description vendors the companies that make the stuff and you know i'm i'm a pretty persistent worker uh so i have no problem in trying to establish contacts and uh what i found in my uh meeting with people in the audio description industry is it is uh very much hit and miss as far as the creation of audio description being accessible for visually impaired people. Some companies such as uh, IDC and Eric Wickstrom or uh, Descriptive Video Works with Reese Lloyd uh, make it a point to try and incorporate blind talent and uh, and grow uh, that uh, inclusion within the industry. But there are, are so many places that either have no interest in including uh, visually impaired people into the process or uh, have no 
way of adapting a workflow to incorporate uh, a visually impaired person because uh, typically, especially when you're doing a live in-person directed session uh, for audio description, it is visually based. You have the you have the time codes on the screen that you're hitting with your marks on the script, and uh, and that way it's quicker for the production team to plug it in and get it out the door. But that is the process that a lot of people use as a way to say, you know, sorry, it's just not possible here, and we'll keep you in mind. But other companies, I'm, you know, lucky to with the described and captioning media program and working with Motion Picture Solutions out of London and. IVDC and DVW, there are businesses that are actively out there trying to uh, include the blind community. And it's not just for me, it's, there's opportunities for everybody and it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, if you think that your voice is uh, uh, not a certain way as you think it is, uh, as it, that it might be desired, there are still jobs for you. There's lots of room, and especially in audio description, uh, the diversity of stories that are being told uh, require diversity of voices. Yeah, I think that's kind of how the world works anyway. We need, there's diversity in life. We may just not even really know it. Um, yeah. But it's just so obvious that we we don't pay attention to it. And you mentioned Eric Wickstrom at IDC, and I'm, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with Eric and and I've I've talked to Eric a few times, and um, I'm super interested in the audio description stuff too. So I'm hoping to to maybe <laughs> get involved Absolutely. in that. I don't know where, where my whiny kind of nasally voice can fit in, but apparently it can somewhere. So well, the most I'm, important thing is to not self criticize. Yeah, well, I'm I'll I'll see what what right. they say, and I'm I'm going forward. I'm excited about it. I think it's super. Should be. I think it's, it's super exciting, great. and I think that you know, audio description is for the blind or visually impaired community. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense that those people. It doesn't have to be those people that that describe those kind of. That doesn't have. It's not like it has no. to be. But I think I think I certainly think that it, when it's you know the that particular community, they just we just know things inherently instinctively that somebody with with full vision or normal sightedness that just doesn't consider right because mm-hmm. it's just it's not a bias or anything it's just it's just the way of life and so i do think that in the script writing or the the reading of those types of things that um you you would want somebody input into the process that would be you know, uh, I can't think of, I'm trying to think of an example not related to audio description where you would want, you know, if you're trying to learn how to run, you don't want to go consult the the guy that weighs 600 pounds right. about how to run, right? You want to consult the person that's... Who has uh, ran. Right, who's that's done a lot of running and they know what kind of shoes to get and what kind of programs to be on and apps yeah. to track. So. It just kind of makes sense that you would you would want to ping the community that you're targeting here for mm-hmm. how to how these things should be described and what is too much and what is not enough and how much inflection or um, you know accent yeah. or all these things that go into it the nuance of voice and voice work um, which is where I just think it makes a lot of sense to if not using 100% that community for it to at least have a very strong input from that community to, to make that work the best. Agreed. A hundred percent agree. And uh, that's when, you know, whether it's Eric at IDC or Reese uh, from DVW, um, uh, the people that you see interacting online, socially, uh, within the blind community, uh, whether it's seeking uh, input. I know that DVW has created an advisory council uh, of people who are visually impaired uh, bringing their uh, perspective into the creation process. And uh, Eric Wickstrom really has been at the forefront of this and designing different workflows based on different needs for the visually impaired people. But he's also been out there as uh, an opportunity of information for other uh, vendors to learn how he's adapted his workflows to make it uh, a process that's far more inclusive uh, than it has been up until recently. Yeah, well, I don't know Reese at least yet. I do know Eric, yeah. yep. and um, I have, I'm very impressed with with what he's doing. 
mm-hmm. and and my interaction with him, what he's what he's trying to do, he's who he's trying much. to incorporate, and kind of the process that they're putting in place, mm-hmm. and all the different, you know, because again, this is the ambiguously blind podcast. Vision is a spectrum, whether you know it or not, and not everybody works the same. Not everybody sees the same. So yeah. there there are lots of different techniques and things that work for some people and not for others. And so it's not real simple just to say, boom, this is what we're doing because that doesn't work for everybody. So there's a lot of, a lot of flavors of yeah. those things that need to take place. And it sounds to me like Eric at IDC, um, from, from just from what I know is, is doing a great job to help level the field there and, and yeah. provide superior audio description where, uh, it either hasn't been before or has mm-hmm. been, but it's just been not not sufficient. No, and and you know, um, consuming audio description, you you learn a couple of things. First, you've got uh, I listened to a movie just a couple of weeks ago that was completely uh, automated description, and so it was terrible. That's yeah, that's, that's probably, <laughs> probably not good, right? No, it was totally it was automated. horrible. But it yeah. became one of those things. By golly, I'm going to finish the end of this thing, and I'm going to find out what company put this out. And uh, that's the thing uh, that everybody should do with the audio description is stick around to the end of the track and uh, listen to the names of the people who are creating the content, Uh, whether it's the good writers and the writing and audio description is obviously just like everything else, good and bad, but the writing uh, really make, in my opinion, is the voice actor. It's the writing that makes or breaks the audio description. So if you can get some good writing in there, that's the, that's the uh, key part to the whole process. It's just, um, there's so many different things that allow for different areas of quality uh, within the audio description that you find places that are just terrible at it, but yet continue to get contracts by the people providing the media. And, and mostly uh, I, that's because they check the box and they yeah. move on and it's ADA or whatever. And we yep. did it. So there you go. Kind of thing. That's kind of the attitude I would guess. Yeah. And I've sat in on uh panel discussions with uh, people within the industry, whether it's the leads of Comcast and uh, CBS Paramount or whatever. And the thing that they're all talking about still to this day is meeting the FCC requirements of the volume of audio description. And, and when you say volume, you mean like the literal volume of the voice or like how, like the uh, quantity of, the, of how much? Good question. Thank you. It's uh, for the amount of hours that they're required per week okay. uh, yeah. to put out there of broadcast audio description. Uh, and so when these people are on panels, that's almost the entire perspective that they come at. The whole discussion about audio description is we want to make sure that it's available. Either we're either going to try and meet the standards or this company is going above the standards, but very few people are addressing the quality yeah, just kind of cover your butt. Just the, here, here's what we yeah. need to do because this is what the FCC says. And yeah, there's yeah, no art I, in it whatsoever. I would love to have a way, um, you know, there's the audio description product uh, project run by the ACB online. A great source for audio description uh, information on what it's available for you. But also that would be a great place to host a simple rating system like an I, IMDB star rating system or something uh, where you, users could give feedback on uh, videos that they've watched, movies they've watched. And that could give the ACB hopefully some information to say, hey, you know, our, our viewers, our, our community is saying this company is producing the good stuff. This is producing the good stuff because the ACB does have the talking relationship uh, with the heads of these uh, broadcast companies. And, you know, we need to do something to improve the quality overall because everybody's working fiercely to try and meet the quantity but there's such bad quality out there that it's almost a detriment to audio description more than it is a help and as a producer of the content and a consumer of Mm. the content uh, you um it's obviously very important to you so where does your vision fall into the category of all the ambiguity things here like how much do you depend on the audio description in, in daily life for what for what Ren is watching, it's a hundred percent of what I watch now is all audio described. Uh, if there's things like sporting events or things like that, uh, I lean on my wife. Uh, yeah, li- that'd be like live things, yeah. right? That's got to be d- difficult to, to get that described. Yeah, 
But okay. uh, the audio described content, I've been doing that for years. And uh, especially with the um, FCC requiring more TV broadcast information out there for people with audio description, it's, it's, uh, it's becoming a better time to be a consumer of audio description. We just have a long way to go. Yeah. And so when you're consuming that, mm. you're watching it on a, I don't know if it's a smartphone or a tablet or TV or whatever it is. Yeah. Is it, is it piped directly to Ren or is it on the device for everyone? Is yeah. There, it's on I, the, de- yeah, that's tough. Yeah. The audio I, description for everybody. Go ahead. I'm well, sorry. yeah, I think because we, we still need to further refine that, right? So mm-hmm. if you're in a room with 10 people and three of them need the audio description, I guess right. everybody doesn't, right? Because then it becomes maybe too much or distracting information for people that mm-hmm. don't need it. I think, we're, I think we're on the verge of being able to make that happen, of not having to have the audio description for the people who don't need it. I know there are certain streaming apps uh, that work where, where you can like, like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm an Apple consumer. I am in the walled yeah. garden and I, I, I hate to, you know, I don't hate to admit that, but I, <laughs> I will admit that. But like, I'm just thinking of Apple in particular. So like yeah. you've got your Apple TV or your iPhone or Mac or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you've got your AirPods or your earbuds and they can sync with the device. I guess AirPods would be the, the key here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm wirelessly connected to the device and I'm only getting the audio description. The others are just hearing and seeing the normal presentation. So right. when, when, how far do you think that is from seamless interaction? I, th- I think it's closer, uh, closer than we expect. I, I try and read up on the technology stuff as much as possible, especially with audio description. I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the deep end on trying to find all that stuff, especially like, uh, Prime Video came out with a new, um, I forget what you what you would call it, the the their program that you use to watch the videos, the platform. Thank you. Um, and one of the things that I remember hearing was something about how it can tie in with your Fire TV stick, uh, and possibly do a delineation of an audio source from your Alexa Fire Stick delivering the audio description to you while over the TV, uh, it would be just regular broadcast for the regular people in the room. Yeah. It seems like we're, we're, we're so close to that. I mean, it's just a technology thing where yeah we get enough people behind that enough movement behind the audio descriptive camp that, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that's just a, a coding thing or a lever that switched and you may have to get some additional, headphones or device or something and then you just poof it's it works it seems like that should be right. not I'm, I'm sure it's more complicated than that but in general it should be relatively simple it's got somebody be if somebody wants to do it yeah well, my father-in-law uh uses hearing aids that connect by bluetooth with the tv so he can hear the tv louder than what his wife hears it uh through the tv okay itself. so same concept there yeah I, I think yeah i think we're close uh, hopefully we're close yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm I'm pulling for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting time to be to be blind. The technology that has come around, especially in the last ten years, has really changed the um, availability of of consumption uh, for people with visual impairment. Yeah, that is an understatement. It has been just leaps and bounds of all the just it it's happening fast and this is the um, you know I've, I've had lots of people on the podcast and i kind of joke with them that this is a great time to be blind right <laughs> yeah it's 100 percent. but i had somebody point out to me that you know 10 years from now you you would say the same thing meaning mm-hmm. that that in, in 10 years from now it'll be a great time to be blind then too i think it's now something that that people have understood that it's important for all mm-hmm. these different abilities to be included in what's whatever's happening, whatever the ability is or disability is. Um, and with technology happening as fast as it is, all the changes that are occurring, you know, there are, there, there's some bad downside to that, but there's also yeah. an upside. And that's what, you know, I, I try to focus on as the upside of all that. And it's, it's really going fast. It's really improving. Mm-hmm. And if you can just hang in there, 
it's it's going to be there. It's going to be pretty soon. Just and and people like you that are doing the audio description, and as that continues to swell and and we get better, and we get better people doing those kind of things, it, it mm-hmm. turns into an art of itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. In any in any way where you're connecting a person to information, and in this situation, you're connecting a person to a story. That's pretty powerful because there's nothing worse than being in a story where everybody else is into it and you feel not. And um, I've had the opportunity, whether it was teaching earlier in life and coaching, to have uh, passion behind things that I do. And uh, the audio description work is something that I really do find a passion for because of not only what it means to me, but hopefully we're in a time, as you said, kind of in a in a growth period of the industry where not only are we increasing uh, opportunities in quality, but also just a huge jump for inclusion uh, of the blind community. Are there any particular platforms that you think are doing audio, audio description better than others? Are there other leaders right now? Yes. And it's, hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and, and name some names out there, but what is uh, interesting, and I'll recommend people to go ahead and listen to the end of your audio track, because uh, it doesn't take very much for you to be on one of the many uh, platforms that are providing media of everybody has an online platform, Paramount, uh, Peacock, Prime, Netflix, you name it, they've got a place for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the problem is, they're still using the companies that have been putting out poor uh, product. And it really is something that I take a lot of pride in uh, the quality of product that I get to be associated with the companies that I've worked with so far that hopefully it is uh, a benefit and a service to somebody wanting to connect to, to something. And um, you know, is just something that uh, uh, I'm greedy for myself, I want to have more audio description, but I've really come to understand the challenges of the blind community, whether it's uh, the amount of financial challenge that's found throughout the blind community or um, the limiting factors for avenues of uh, either consuming media or even self-worth. And I think that audio description checks a lot of these boxes, especially for myself that I really am excited about the field and I'm excited for all the blind voices that are going to be a part of this moving forward. Well, I'm excited too, Ren, and I, I certainly appreciate what you're doing and all the work you're putting in. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that if you're listening to this, you've heard Ren's voice before. You may not have, you probably didn't know that, but maybe you're, you're matching it up with something now. You're like, man, that sounds familiar. He's got great pipes. He's got a great voice. Oh, um, he's not in the booth, I don't think, right now. So you're nope. not getting the the real refined Ren, but this is this is fantastic. I, I appreciate the time, Ren. Oh, my if, pleasure. If somebody wants to find you and, and get you on their next audio description project or their voiceover project, it's renleach.com. Is that the best place for everybody to go? Yeah. Um their uh LinkedIn I found is a very active place for the audio description industry. Uh, so you can, uh, for those of you who are interested in getting into audio description, I would recommend, uh, looking around on LinkedIn and finding the names and businesses of the companies that you learn and, uh, and hopefully get a chance to get in there yourself. Just, uh, one thing to mention real quick is, uh, I do have a project that came out on Netflix on the 26th. So you can hear me in the uh, Netflix series called drive hard, the Maloof way. It's, a uh, episode series uh following a family that uh, races cars builds engines and does stunts for movies awesome okay yeah that's on netflix it is okay and that came out at the end of august right that you said yep yeah tremendous so that's brand new yep and more projects in the pipeline and the goal is to just uh try and uh, put out as much ideas ad as i possibly can yeah okay well renleach.com I'll have a link to that in the description here. So just look down, scroll down, you'll see that. And there'll be a link to uh, Ren's LinkedIn page. Um, I'm linked to some of those people too on my LinkedIn. So uh, ambiguousblind.com, renleach.com, LinkedIn. Ren, it's been a lot of fun. My pleasure, John. 
I would like to maybe get together and do this and maybe we can maybe audio describe something together sometime soon. Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.